We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Saturday, here to wrap up our pregame coverage. We'll also take some questions at the end of the show, uh, so get those uh, ready if you are here in the chat today. So uh, joining me today are my guys, Alex and Arjun. Tyler is uh, proctoring the ACT today, so uh, Tyler, if you're watching, hello. Uh, sorry you have to suffer through this experience, but uh, Arjun, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing this morning? I'm um, doing all right. Uh, so, you know, honestly, I'm kind of feeling a little bit better about the Chargers chances going into this game with Corey Lindsley and Mike Williams back. But um, yeah, it's, it's 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 been OK. It's been OK. It was a very strange day on uh, Twitter yesterday. Uh, if you were around for that, <laughs> if you were not, uh, consider yourself uh, very fortunate because it was uh, kind of a disaster. But, you know, that happens from time to time. Uh, Alex, what's up, man? How are you doing this morning? I guess uh, it's 1.30 for you, so afternoon. Yep, good afternoon. Uh, I almost missed the entirety of the Herbert discourse yesterday, which was very fun, but then I decided to take NyQuil and make a coffee-infused quarterback tier list to contribute whatever I could to the discourse. Uh, <laughs> and I've gotten mixed reviews, so going good. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people still believe in Kyler, which I guess is uh, you know to be understood a little bit, but... Uh, the Herbert discourse yesterday, man, it was, it was ridiculous. I'm like, what? First of all, the football outsiders article, like it, it wasn't was... even like a bad Herbert article. It was like him talking good about Herbert and how awesome he's been in the first two seasons. So a uh, whole lot of missing context from that uh, conversation as well. But 
Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the uh, Herbert and Tua dynamics at some point later on. Uh, excuse my dog if you can hear him barking. Um, but uh, let's get started with the injuries as we do every single Saturday, kind of wrapping this up. Now that we know um, who is playing, who is not playing, we'll start with uh, the more concerning first, and then we'll we'll get to the positives after that. So um, obviously Derwin James, the big one, is considered doubtful. So is Bryce Callahan and Trey Pipkins. Um, you know, uh, Brandon Staley said yesterday that Derwin and Bryce Callahan do have at least kind of a chance to play. They'll see how it goes through in uh, warmups. Trey Pipkins is a week away. He's based, he's essentially out this week. So, um, Alex, we'll start with you guys. I know you discussed kind of the injury absences, um, you know, on Thursday, the two of you. But now that we know that Derwin and Bryce Callahan are a little uh, leaning more towards being out, What's kind of your uh, thought process on the Chargers defense and their chances against the Miami Dolphins? Um, I guess thoughts on their chances are that they don't really have a chance, but I mean, they sort of already didn't have one. I mean, because of the state of the pass rush um, being as anemic as it's been, unfortunately. Um, the state of the linebackers, which have been pretty so, I mean, are going to make this point on the Thursday show, but it's like if you're taking away Derwin and Bryce Callahan, but you're getting Mike Williams and Corey Lindsley back, it kind of you know ends up evening out a little bit um, as terms in terms of what they can do on offense. So, I mean, definitely pessimistic to what they could do on defense, but I was already pretty pessimistic in terms of what they could do defensively to this team. So, to me, if the Chargers are going to win this game, it's going to be in a shootout type fashion where this Joe Lombardi offense ends up, you know, putting up more points than we expect them to. Um, that's the way to win. And that would be true with or without Derwin James and with or without Bryce Callahan, um, in, in my opinion. So I think Corey Lindsley and Mike Williams being officially back pretty much for tomorrow's game uh, is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we've kind of talked about how on the offensive side, getting Lindsley back is kind of crucial to the Chargers pass protection and getting Mike Williams back against a, a team missing Byron Jones and is starting a rookie corner in the slot. Like it definitely helps, but you know, the, the defensive injuries, it obviously makes an impact because Derwin and Callahan are the two best, I would say coverage defenders on the team this year. And they do patrol the middle of the field the most often. And the dolphins are one of the best teams at throwing over the middle of the field with Tua this year. So, you know, it's, it, it's kind of going to be a, 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 tough game for the defense to kind of slow down the Dolphins. And I did like what you were saying, Stephen, like in our you know, private messages, like how Chargers should just do things that aren't typically what they do, because if they do the things they typically do, they're probably going to get smoked. Yeah, my thinking this week is essentially, you know, play this game as a tendency breaker. You know, the Chargers have, have some pretty clear tendencies this year. Although they do play man coverage at a higher rate than some of the other Vic Vangio style defenses in the league, um, this week I'm I'm cranking that up and I'm trying to heat up Tua as much as I can. I mean, it's going to be much more difficult with Derwin not playing in this game potentially. Um, you know, I was told by a source that we could expect some more Kenneth Murray edge snaps because Derwin has that one package. So that sounds like they're going to replace that with uh, more Kenneth Murray. So. Um, you know, if it's me, like I'm sending Drew Tranquil, I'm, you know, actually I do think Jaw Taylor is a pretty good blitzer as well. So that's something I'm curious how that works out in, in terms of, you know, Jaw Taylor coming off of the the slot as a blitzer. Um, we've seen Bryce Callahan do that a little bit more. So basically, like 
I'm of the mindset that you just take chances and you know, you're, un, you're, you're undermanned, you're outmatched in this game. Might as well go down swinging and take as many chances as you can. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Arjun. I don't know if you had something else. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. If you, it's just like simple. If you do the things you normally do with the twenty seventh ranked or a bottom five defense, you're going to get smoked by an offense that's top five right now, right? So you got to mix it up. You got to, like you said, tendency breakers, and that's fine. Like if if they do get smoked while doing stuff they don't normally do, blitz more, stunt more, stuff like that, then that's fine. But you know, don't do the same game plan that the Dolphins are expecting and have prepared for. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. So um, I'm, I am curious to see kind of how the rotation shakes out. Obviously, I expect Lohi Gilman to kind of be the starting safety. Brandon Staley also did hint at Raheem Lane, uh, the undrafted free agent out of uh, – just he's not a Rutgers guy, right? I, I was Indiana. Indiana, that's right. Different red team. Different red team in the Big Ten. Um, so it sounds like Raheem Lane is going to be kind of that dime linebacker portion of Derwin's role. So, you know, we could probably expect to see Raheem Lane about 10 to 15 snaps this game. Uh, pretty clearly, Jaw Taylor's job in the slot. I think, you know, I would expect him to play, you know, 50, 60 snaps, depending on how much they want to play in, in base packages and things like that. So, um, you know, this is obviously a, a big spot for some of the younger guys on this defense, and particularly in the uh, secondary. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'll be very curious to see how Ja Taylor steps up in place of Bryce Callahan, um, because this is a big spot for him in terms of, you know, what this what his role could be going forward on this team. Obviously, one of the you know stories of the offseason will be kind of whether they re-sign Bryce Callahan or they let him walk for a comp pick, depending on what they decide to do there. Um, and they, they sort of drafted Ja Taylor to be that next guy uh, in the slot. So I'll be curious to see if he can kind of, you know, win over some Chargers fans as well as maybe the coaching staff on what his future role could be. Uh, so that, that I think is kind of the most interesting thing. They obviously need a, a big Michael Davis game relative to, you know, e- even what he's done this season, I think has been really great. Uh, but especially probably primarily covering either Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle uh, for large portions of this game. I mean, they need a big game from him. And then you kind of just hope for the best with an Alohi Gilman, uh, you know, led safety group probably at this point, which I mean, you know, he hasn't been bad by any means, but him playing a, a Derwin James type of role is interesting. Um, and so then Kenneth Murray at edge. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what we're really doing here at this point. Like there's ways to manufacture pressure that I think that, uh, <clears throat> that I think could make it, that I think could work better than that. But uh, at this point they are playing with a bare bones defense. And if Kenneth Murray can give you a few pressures, I, I guess you go with that, but there's probably still other ways to do it. Yeah. I think Kenneth is much more of an effective blitzer than he is, you know, coming off the edge at this point. Cause you know, when he's working at guns cards, he can just kind of try and, you know, out athlete them. That doesn't really work as well against offensive tackles. And in this week, you know, that would be Teron Armstead, who's one of the most athletic tackles in the league. So, um yeah that'd be unfortunate um quick question a couple questions that i wanted to address here from this specific topic geo asking what happened to mark webb so um i don't know if he's still injured he's obviously on the practice squad the injury history kind of led to him uh you know not playing a lot in training camp and then obviously being cut and in the initial 53 so 
Um, you know, his injury led to more opportunities for Raheem Lane, and the Chargers really like Raheem Lane. I think they view him as a bit more of a well-rounded safety prospect. I think he can do more things than Mark Webb, who's almost exclusively like a big money linebacker. Um, so I, I think Lane, you know, took advantage of the chances that he was afforded. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't really expect to see Webb uh, really at all this season. We'll see what happens next year when, you know, he's given kind of a futures contract. But uh, they really like Raheem Lane. So that's that's kind of the guy that they're going to be rolling with if Derwin's going to be missing any time. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the point about using Murray more on the edge, like obviously that, that's not super ideal because he didn't really perform well at all last year. But the thing with like Kenneth Murray is like he's bad in coverage. He's bad as a run defender. And I know like, you know, you might want to use him as a blitzer. I think Drew Tranquil has been more effective as a blitzer this year I agree. Um, in those in those, uh, you know, designer blitz packages from Staley. But the problem is if you blitz Tranquil, you're leaving Kenneth Murray kind of on an island in the middle of the field versus you blitz Murray and you leave Tranquil on an island in the middle of the field, right? So that yeah. kind of trade-off is is tough because Tranquil is more likely to get home, but Murray is more likely to give up a big, a big play over the middle. So I don't I don't really know what the optimal decision is there and like how the Chargers should approach that. But it is an interesting conundrum that the Chargers have to figure out this year. I think this week, I mean, nobody's going to replicate what Fred Warner was able to do against the Miami Dolphins, but obviously I I would prefer Drew Tranquil be the coverage guy this week. I think that's uh, much more applicable to the matchup this week. Um, The other question I wanted to address here, Jack H asking, do we have any clarity on when Derwin got hurt? Um, He did play every single snap last week against the Raiders. Brandon Staley said on Wednesday that this was a holdover from something that happened in the Arizona game. Um, and Derwin was just not a hundred percent, uh, going into the Raiders game and then just kind of got a little worse that week. So I think that could kind of explain why he wasn't, you know, his usual explosive self, but, um, it's not considered a serious injury. Uh, I know everybody's kind of sick of the way Brandon Staley handles these injuries and calls all of them day to day. Um, but I would expect Derwin back on the field next week against the Titans, just kind of, uh, based on what Brandon Staley said this week. All right, we'll get to the other side of things. Um, Corey Lindsley off the injury report. He is out of concussion protocol, as you guys talked about, you know, him being the the most important player this week. I do agree with that. And uh, Mike Williams also off the injury report with his ankle injury. So uh, Chargers lose arguably their most important coverage players. They get back their best offensive lineman and they get back Mike Williams. So um, Arjun, we'll start with you here, your thought process and getting these two guys back and uh, how much it really helps the Chargers offense. Yeah, so I think so. I think Corey Lindsley matters a little bit more than Mike Williams because I think Herbert can elevate someone like DeAndre Carter, but can't really elevate an offensive line. He can do his best to mitigate the pressure he has. And one of the things I was looking at is the Chargers this year, their offensive line has the second highest rate of quick pressures allowed when pass blocking. So that means pressures in – under 2.5 seconds, they have the second highest rate of allowing those type of pressures. So, you know, obviously it's important to look at that split, you know, with and without Corey Lindsley, which um, someone from, I think Ryan McChrystal did on Twitter, but for a team that likes to blitz as much as the Dolphins, having Corey Lindsley back, who can hopefully set the protections 
get everyone in the right places, blocking the right guys. I think that's huge. And then on the other side, because the Dolphins like to play um, a lot of man, they played man at the fourth highest rate in the league this year. Mike Williams this year has a 34 34% target share versus man coverage and a 3.34 yards per route run, which is the best on the Chargers team. So he is the Chargers best receiver versus man coverage. And if the Dolphins stick, you know, whoever their backup outside corner is on Mike Williams or Keenan Allen or Josh Palmer, like they should be able to do work. And, you know, Mike Williams, again, is, is kind of crucial to this Chargers passing attack. Yeah, and I think that just having Keenan, Josh Palmer, Mike Williams, I mean, it's crazy. They've only played, what, 15 snaps together this season um, in terms of that being the official stat. Uh, just just crazy that there, there hasn't been that continuity, unfortunately, in that wide receiver room. Mike Williams is a monster versus fan coverage, and I think having him back this week is huge, and obviously having Corey Lindsley there for the offensive line to give Justin Herbert more time to throw to somebody like my, my critical as well. Uh, just so the offensive line honestly doesn't implode. Uh, is, that's why it's important to have Corey Lindsley there, because I think if you're talking about someone like just an, an injury of any kind along the other four spots on the offensive line, you would rather there everything than will clap, right? And I think that that's what the Chargers kind of suffered from last week. Yeah, I think Mike Williams coming back, there's obviously a, f- a few areas where that really helps things. I think in the red zone, it really, you know, gives them a lot more options than trying to target DeAndre Carter or Michael Bandy or, or those guys. Um, and so I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Xavier Howard is kind of used. He's, he's had a bit of a down season uh, by his standards, but he doesn't really go in the slot all that much. Um, he, he does shadow number one receivers at a pretty high rate from at least in the past. I don't know where he's at this year, but um, so I, I would almost more expect him to be on Mike Williams. And then, you know, they would kind of, you know, shade coverage, potentially double Keenan this week. I don't really know, but um, you know, they do do a lot of, a lot of cover, cover zero looks as well. So curious to see what they end up doing with uh, Xavier Howard there in regards to Corey Lindsley. Like it's huge, man. Watching this offensive line without him and watching them identify like simulated pressures, blitz packages, stunts. It's it, watching that Raiders film back. I felt like I was watching the 2020 group. Like I really did. And just from a diagnose standpoint and they, the chargers were consistently guessing and guessing wrong with the Raiders simulated pressures. And, you know, they would bring six guys up. They would slide coverage to the left or slide uh, protection to the left. And then the pressure would come from the right where they would slide, right. Pressure would come from the left. So they were always just like guessing wrong. And a lot of that is tendencies, right? Like, Obviously, Denzel Perryman probably more likely to blitz than their other linebackers. And I just felt like they were consistently leaving somebody kind of just hanging around blocking nobody. And so having Corey Lindsley back this week against the Dolphins in particular, I think is huge because, you know, Corey's going to be able to properly diagnose things, communicate things. And frankly, I mean, he's, up, he's the best center in the league in terms of pass protection. So, um, you know, I, I think that's huge in, in this matchup gives Justin Herbert much more of a chance to not be the highest pressured quarterback in the league this week. Yeah, I, I agree. And also it would be nice if Keenan Allen kind of goes back to his 2021 form, um, you know, whether or not you think he's kind of lost a step. I don't think you can deny that he hasn't looked the same as his 2021 20, self. He could still be playing at 80%, 90%. We don't really know that 
but he's not on the injury reports. He's playing the full game. Like, I'm assuming he's healthy. And, again, not being able to kind of separate versus Amik Robertson in the slot, that's kind of a worry for me. So now if he does play in the slot, he'll go against Kader Kahu, who's an undrafted rookie this year. So, you know, obviously draft status doesn't really mean much in terms of, you know, how a player performs. But, I mean, Keenan Allen's cooked better cornerbacks in the past and like the Dolphins are going to give him a chance to beat man coverage and this is a game to kind of like show everyone that hey maybe like I'm still like I'm still one of the better receivers in the league yeah and uh, no better chance to do that than in uh, prime time so I I'm hopeful that they learned their lesson from last week and that they get Keenan Allen going early and often Uh, you know him not having really any kind of targets until the two minute warning last week was just frankly very poor coaching like we have talked about so um, you know, this is a very important game for Joe Lombardi to, you know, obviously cook up a good scheme and uh, particularly against pass protection and getting their best players involved early and often. I think that's crucial this week in order to get into a rhythm. Obviously, you know, you're going to have to put up a lot of points. So, um, all right, we'll, uh, get to some of our final thoughts here. Um, obviously Tyler's not here to more, so we're not going to, uh, talk about our weekly picks. I'll tweet those out later. Um, but the three of us will do our Chargers prediction, kind of final thoughts, and then we'll uh, take some questions. So uh, feel free in the chat to uh, fire up your question if you have one. It could be obviously about anything leading up to this game, anything Chargers-related long-term, all that good stuff. If you want to ask a food question, you can certainly ask a food question. Um, All right, so Alex, we'll start with you here. Uh, Your final thoughts leading into this game, and then uh, obviously your uh, score prediction. Yeah, um, earlier this week, I really did think this was getting into blowout territory, um, (laughs) just based on the types of injuries that the Chargers have had uh, this week leading up to this game. And I've I've sort of reneged on that a little bit, just because if you have Justin Herbert, you know, I think that Herbert will keep it competitive, kind of regardless, no matter what. Um, I mean, the Seattle game is obviously a game where they got shellacked earlier this year. You can look at the Jacksonville one. But I, I sort of feel like this is a game because it's prime time. I do think the Chargers will sort of play up to their competition more so, even with some of the problems on defense. I do think this turns into a little bit of a shootout. Um, I don't think that the Chargers will keep it within a single possession, but I also don't think they get blown out either pretty much just because they have Justin Herbert. Um, and that's sort of my reasoning. I'm going to go Chargers, uh, sorry, Dolphins, Chargers, um, I think they close, so maybe this is a game where the Dolphins make it look like it was a, or the Chargers make it look like late that it was a little closer than it was. Uh, but I, yeah, they've just suffered too many losses, and maybe I could get there and pick a win if you have Bryce Callahan and you have Derwin James this week. But they just they don't have the ability to match the Dolphins right now. So, uh, sorry, Alex, you were cutting in and out a little bit there, right? As you gave your score prediction. I don't know if that was the only, only one that missed it. Uh, what's your score prediction? Sorry. Yeah. I said, uh, dolphins, 33 chargers, 23. All right. 33, 23 for, uh, for Alex Arjun, your, your kind of headspace, you know, heading into this matchup and then your, uh, score prediction as well. Yeah. So like I said, at the beginning, feeling a little bit better about this game just because get some guys back healthy on offense. Um, regardless if Derwin or Callahan were playing, I knew the defense was probably going to have a tough time with this Dolphins offense, which kind of has all the pieces to kind of uh, 
expose them at their weakest points. Um, but I, I still feel a little bit confident that Justin Herbert will have a good game against, again, a Dolphins secondary, which has kind of had its lapses at times. Um, I do think it will be close. I think the Chargers start off, start off pretty slow like they normally do, and then they have that big second half comeback or something, or second quarter comeback. Uh, so I'm going to go 35-28 uh, that the Dolphins win. Um, and then I definitely think the game, like the total is like 53 and a half. I, I would like the over and I think it opened at like 51 and a half. And now it's, it's being bet up to 53 and a half because of all the defensive injuries for the chargers. And also the chargers getting some guys back offensively. Yeah. Obviously a lot of people kind of expecting a shootout here, which probably means it's going to be like 17 to 14. Cause sometimes that's how football works. Um, I, you know, my headspace heading into this matchup, I think, you know, similar to you guys, I was pretty unexcited about this matchup heading in. Obviously, there were a lot of injuries once it came out that Derwin was not going to practice, potentially not play. It was just kind of deflating a little bit just thinking about this matchup. But um, like I said, getting Corey Lindsley back is huge. Getting Mike Williams back is very it's a very important thing as well. So I feel good about the Chargers chances of putting up points as long as Marty uh, doesn't just shit the bed again in terms of his protection plan heading into this matchup. Um, you know, I, I happen to think they should run the ball a lot more. I know that's probably, you know, against conventional wisdom. But um, like I said, I feel like the Chargers will do enough on offense to make it close. I don't think this is going to be a blowout by any means. I think the Chargers offense with, like Alex was saying, this is the first time we'll have hopefully a full game of Josh Palmer, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams on the field at the same time. So I do think that this is going to be a, a relatively close game. Um, the line is still Dolphins three and a half. Um, I do think that they cover. So I'm going to say uh, Dolphins win 31 to 27. Like I said, I, I do think the, the Chargers make it a game, um, but I just don't think they have enough on defense to get consistent stops like they'll need in order to win. So uh, we're 0 and 4. So all four of us, including Tyler, are uh, picking the Dolphins this week. Um, I forget his score exactly. I don't know if actually I can look it up. Um, so Tyler has it. Uh, he has it as Chargers losing 30 to 20, 30 to 24. Yep. So, uh, well, this is the ultimate test, man. This is the ultimate GAC curse test, if you will. Uh, the last time all three of us picked against the Chargers, they won, uh, and the time before that. So now we have all four of us picking against the Chargers. So, uh, we'll see what happens there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Yeah. All right, so uh, we'll take some questions here. Uh, again, a bit of a quicker show today. Um, obviously, we appreciate any of the uh, Super Chats. I know we have one earlier that I'll get to in a second here. Um, so fire away if you have some questions. Like I said, can be anything related to uh, Sunday's matchup, can be related to Chargers offseason, um, anything like that. So we'll get to that Super Chat first and foremost from uh, Lefty Top 10. Lefty Top 10s, excuse me. Um, he says the Sharps are betting Chargers this week. Thoughts? I assume he's talking about like Warren Sharp and all those guys. No, no, no. War, no, no. Warren Sharp is the complete opposite of a Sharp. Sharp, <laughs> sharp is referring to like the big betters <laughs> in Vegas. Shows what I know. Like, I don't. I don't bet like yeah. hardly ever. So, so Lefty's top ten is kind of referring to the people betting in Vegas or like betting big money at like these top sports books like Pinnacle and Circa. And they're the ones who move the line from like Charger or Dolphins minus two to Dolphins minus two and a half, minus three. So, yeah, again, don't associate Warren Sharp with <laughs> being a sharp individual because he's he's not. <laughs> yeah, shows what I know about betting. Um, you know, I, I think, um, I mean, it makes sense to bet on Herbert in primetime. We've seen him obviously, you know, have some great moments in primetime over the past three seasons. So, I understand why people would be betting on the Chargers this week 100%, especially like we talked about, Corey Lindsay, Mike Williams coming back. Um, you know, Brandon Staley, Joe Lombardi potentially coaching for their job. So um, I think, you know, all four of us obviously picking the Dolphins here, but, you know, I wouldn't blame anybody for feeling like this is a spot where the Chargers just come out, play with the hair on fire, and, and get a win. So I don't think that's likely, but I would understand somebody, you know, betting on that happening. Uh, I think like reality yeah. says in the chat also, it, it's more of a Chargers plus three and a half primetime kind of Herbert bet than I think it is like a Chargers money line pick, if sure. you want to put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Frank Blakely says, I'm actually excited to about seeing some of these young defensive backs with speed, get some playing time. Uh, I assume obviously talking about JT Woods, Joshua Taylor, uh, Daniel Popper did hint that maybe they use Michael Davis in the slot a little bit more this week um, to combat Tyree Kill a little bit. Obviously, he would put Dean Leonard potentially on the field on the outside. Uh, so he wants to know which one makes a mistake first and which makes a big play. Um, yeah, we're, we got to go with uh, Jasir Taylor making a mistake first because Dolphins like to move Tyreek in the slot, Jalen Waddle in the slot, you. like in – they will have Mike Kosicki in the slot at times. And Jasir, I don't know if he's going to be able to match that size. In terms of making a big play, um, I think I think I just got to go with Asante just because he's the one who's kind of made big plays for the Chargers all this year. And I feel like to, uh, if pressured instantly, like he might give one of those gimme balls or an interceptable ball that Asante could make a play on. Um, but also, like, I just don't trust anyone else in that secondary to really make a big play. Maybe Michael Davis, if anyone. Alex, your thoughts here? Yeah. Game where, yeah, you you might be looking at Ja Taylor being both the guy that makes a mistake first and the guy that makes a big play um, just because of say. the ball volume that is going to be in the slot. But 
uh, his tape, I mean, he'll probably have a fair share of bad tape because he's going against Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. Um, so, you know, I, I could see him having a serviceable game and then also get really against the Dolphins, just kind of surviving in the slot without Bryce Callahan. Yeah, I, uh, you're cutting in and out there a little bit, but I, I do agree that I think you'll see Ja Taylor make some mistakes. I think you'll, make him, you'll see him make some plays. Like I said, I feel like he's a pretty quality blitzer, so uh, I'm generally more excited to see Ja Taylor than I am JT Woods or, or Dean Leonard, to be completely honest. Um, all right, next question here from Chorizo Compapas. He says, who's likely to be more on the roster next season? Uh, Vato, Michael Davis, or Bryce, Bryce Callahan, that is. Uh, so obviously Bryce Callahan is a free agent. Uh, Michael Davis, they would have to cut him. Uh, obviously saving a, a big chunk of change there. Um, Arjun, I'm curious here, your thoughts. Obviously Michael Davis has played pretty well over the last few weeks. JC Jackson's future kind of up in the air health-wise. Uh, I, I mean, Asante Samuel has had some really good moments, also had some inconsistent moments. Do you think the Charger, bless you, uh, <laughs> do you think the Chargers can afford to cut Michael Davis at this point? Or do you think he essentially is a lock to be on the roster next year? Um, yeah, I definitely don't think he's a lock. The problem with re-signing Callahan is you're betting on a guy who's, who's going to be over 30, who's had an injury history, who you know has already gotten hurt this year now. Um, and while I thought last year the Chargers got him at a great deal, he, I think his prices probably increased a little bit given his great play this year. Um, I love the signing of Bryce Callahan at the time, but the problem with with like keeping him around is again, there's always a, tr- a chance he has that like Casey Hayward type drop off over the age of 30. And with Michael Davis, like it gives you a little bit more flexibility where if JC's not ready, like you can stick Mike like Davis on the outside with Asante, or you kick Asante inside. Like I don't really know where Asante's like optimal position is because like. I think he's played well outside, but he could also be slot, suited for a slot corner role, right? So it's it's a tough question. I would lean um, not, uh, neither of them just because the Chargers don't have cap space. And I feel like the Chargers front office might feel confident in their ability to go out and get a guy in free agency or, or draft someone. Yeah, I, I like they do absolutely need to find yeah, ways to um, cap space. Oh, sorry, sorry, I was Alex, just go gonna ahead. say. I think. Go ahead, yeah, Alex. no, I was just gonna say. I think that Michael Davis is probably the more likely one because he's under contract. Um, as far as Callahan, uh, he's not under contract, and like Arjun said, his value has gone up. So you're sort of just playing the market there, and you know, are the Chargers kind of worried about his injury history over thirty? Uh, I would say Michael Davis because uh, of what the situation is in the cornerback room. And, you know, can you afford to cut him and save $6 million with J.C. Jackson in the state he's in and from the injury he's coming back from, which is probably, you know, the worst injury to come back from as a corner. So I think that the Chargers probably are at the point where they might not be able to afford to cut Michael Davis just because of the um there. Yeah, I, I tend to agree because, like, I'm looking at obviously how can you replace Bryce Callahan versus how can you replace Michael Davis. Um, you know, replacing Bryce Callahan, you already have some options on the roster. Obviously, you have Ja Taylor, you have uh, Asante. Maybe he flexes in there, but it's also a, it's easier to go find like a fourth round corner and put him in the slot and start him than it would be you know an outside corner if you have to replace 
Michael Davis uh, and ask that rookie to, uh, you know, start from early on in the season. So I don't think the Chargers can afford to take a cornerback early in the draft. Personally, I think it kind of has to be invested into the pass rush, into the weapons on offense. And, um, you know, you can take a, a flyer on a corner later on, you know, fifth, sixth round or something like that, fourth round. Um, so I think it's just much easier to replace Bryce Callahan than it would be Michael Davis. And like Alex was saying, Michael Davis is under contract. So um, that's where I'm at there. So we did get a uh, question specifically for Arjun uh, and Michigan football. Go blue in the playoff. Uh, he wants to know, Arjun, why Matt Weiss would be your number one choice for <laughs> offensive coordinator next season. Great, great question. Um, number one, I I think Matt Weiss is, is a really, really smart guy, first of all. like He's worked with some of the smartest teams, college and um, pro. So he was with um, he was with Stanford under Jim Harbaugh, went to the Ravens under John Harbaugh, and goes back to Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. He's had experience working with running backs, quarterbacks. He's worked on defense as well. He's been able to turn Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy into like serviceable, serviceable quarterbacks. He, you know, one of the things that Charger fans have always proclaimed for is like, there's no run game to support Justin Herbert. Well, the Michigan's run game has been top 10 in both years under Matt Weiss. Um, since he's taken over as quarterbacks coach and and co-offensive coordinator this year. And if you look at some of the titles he held with the Ravens, he was in charge of game strategy. He was in charge of helping to convey analytics from the analytics team to the coaching staff. He does a very good job of understanding that. And I think that's something that um, the Chargers aren't necessarily missing, but I think the innovation that he brings and the type of you know, thing to to cater an offense to the to the quarterback skill set like he did with the Ravens. I think that's something the Chargers can use. And again, I think his resume speaks for itself. And he's worked under some great coaches, but obviously, no, he isn't probably a Staley guy. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he'll get an interview, but I'll say this: he's going to be an NFL offensive coordinator one day. I just hope it's you know, if the Chargers make a change, I would look for him to be you know, one of their top choices. Thanks, Steven. I had to go do his thing with. Uh... Uh, yeah, I'll lay out a crazy scenario for you here, Arjun. Uh, yeah, let's let's do this. If removing your Michigan fandom out of the equation, if Matt Weiss can be offensive coordinator of the Chargers, but it also means Jim Harbaugh is head coach of the Chargers in an event where Staley is fired, uh, would you do it? Yeah, it's obviously, you know, I I want the best for Michigan um, and losing Jim Harbaugh would be a, a crushing blow to the to the program. But um, like, I love the Chargers also. So I I wouldn't mind if he's considered as their number one option and they hire him as long as he brings Matt Weiss over. I don't really care if if uh, Harbaugh's hired and he doesn't if he doesn't bring Matt Weiss over, then. I don't really know how it's going to go because I think Weiss is, you know, not the ma complete mastermind behind the Michigan offense this year, but he is one of the big um, contributors on, from the coaching staff to Michigan's success on offense. Um, but yeah, like, again, I don't really think Staley's going to get fired, but I wouldn't mind considering Harbaugh because again, like if he, is, if he does leave Michigan to go to an NFL team, I want it to be the team I root for, which is the Chargers. I don't want him to go to, like, the Vikings or some other team that I don't really care about because that leaves the Chargers, or that leaves Michigan in a bad spot for, for their program. And then that also means, you know, Chargers are kind of looking elsewhere for the head coaching position. 
Yeah, I mean, the Vikings would be sort of interesting because they were poking around Jim Harbaugh last year. So, I mean, if you were to kind of get, you know, uh, Matt Weiss as offensive coordinator in there under Kevin O'Connell, uh, that that interesting uh, decision to do there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have some coaching and GM questions. Uh, let's see. From make the transition uh tom telesco is up after this season uh i don't we don't really have any clarity on how true this is um but thoughts on this arjun um i didn't know that actually um yeah i mean if his contracts i i think like, i mean we don't i don't know yeah i don't know if that's true because like usually coaches and GMs don't coach on an expiring deal. Like usually they get a, a contract extension one year before the deal expires. Like that's what happened with Anthony Lynn in 2020, like right before the 2020 season, he signed a three-year coaching contract, got a one-year extension and then fired with one year left on his deal. So you don't typically see, you know, GMs and coaches kind of like coach on an expiring deal. It kind of signals the franchise doesn't have much trust in them and they're willing to let, let them walk. But I, yeah, again, I, I have to look a little bit more into that. Uh, yeah, apologies for uh, the quick departure there. Had to uh, go take care of some uh, business at the front door. But, um, you know, we don't really know, like Arjun is saying, I would be surprised if Tom Telesco's contract is up. Um, I think he might have, like, next year on his deal. So there's a chance, obviously, that he either gets, like, another one-year extension or he could potentially get fired. So I I personally am of the belief that Telesco and Staley are kind of attached at the hip at this point in terms of their futures. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this organization would fire Telesco, hire a new GM and keep Brandon Staley. And I don't think that they're going to fire Brandon Staley. So I think we will see the brain trust essentially back next year uh, together. All right. We'll get to the next one here from uh, Jonathan. Wasn't sure if Alex had any thoughts there. Um, he wants to know how effective is the Dolphins run defense. So um, they're pretty middle of the pack overall in terms of like yards per carry and things like that. I am curious. Nobody's really like tested them a whole lot because the Dolphins, frankly, are, are usually winning games. They're usually yeah. <laughs> positive game scripts on defense. So I, I feel like middle of the pack is probably where they really are at in terms of like the quality of their run defense. But statistically, I think they're like 12th in yards per game, yards per rush allowed. Uh, and yards per game allowed. But um, Alex, I don't know if you have any thoughts here on uh, how to kind of attack the uh, Dolphins run defense. Uh, Get a lead on offense, which might be (laughs) difficult for the Chargers to do. Um, If you can't get a lead on the Dolphins and they get two possessions, which, you know, has happened to the Chargers quite a bit this year, then you're not going to be able to attack their run defense and Herbert is going to have to dig them out of some holes, unfortunately. Um, so like, yeah, probably the Dolphins defense is kind of middle of the pack, but like Steven said, with the positive game script and, you know, having the weapons that they have on offense, I think it's really hard for the Chargers to test it unless they, you know, pretty much themselves in the ground really, which with this version of the offensive line, even with Corey Lindsley back, I don't know how likely they are to do. Yeah, I I think the Dolphins' run defense is is a little bit better than league average. Again, like Steven said, they don't really get tested that much. But um, with how like with the type of boxes they play, with the type of defensive fronts they show, like typically they have a lot of guys in the box, which allows them to be better in run defense than, than other teams. 
they obviously play a more risk reward style type defense, which I think does favor them in the run game a little bit more. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know when the deadline is to activate Donald Parham, but if they're able to get him, I would, you know, try to exploit a guy like Jalen Phillips on the edge who is a little bit light. I think a little bit lighter, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, I, I wouldn't be running a ton of inside zone up the middle to Christian Wilkins and, uh, Jerome Baker. Like I would typically try to exploit the edges there. Even if Corey Lindsley's back, I would try to, you know, run behind Pipkins and hopefully par or not Pipkins. I, I guess run to the left side more than the right. Um, yeah. yeah. Would try to exploit the edges more than the, um, interior. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're the strength of the dolphins run defense is definitely their interior. Obviously you mentioned, uh, Christian Wilkins, Jerome Baker, uh, you know, we know Melvin Ingram's not like particularly great against the run. Uh, I don't think Jalen Phillips is either. Uh, again, apologies for my dog if you can hear him uh, barking. But, um, you know, I am curious to see if the Chargers are able to get anything going. They're still running outside zone at, at a pretty high rate, uh, much lower than last year. Um, but I think I saw um, that they're like 10th in outside zone run rate or 12th or something like that. So, um, I would definitely focus more on uh, Jamari Salyer's side than Foster Sorrell's side this week. Uh, speaking of the offensive line, Teresa wants to know how good can next year's starting offensive line be? Uh, he says, assuming it's Slater, Salyer, Corey Lindsley, Zion, and Trey Pipkins. Uh, for what it's worth, Daniel Popper does believe that Trey Pipkins does get an extension, uh, at least a, a relatively short-term one because of how he played <laughs> Sorry about my dog again. I don't know if anybody can hear him or not, but, um, you know, he does believe that Trey Pipkins does get a uh, short-term extension. So, uh, Arjun, I'll ask you here first, uh, thoughts on the offensive line next year, if it's this five or how you would kind of uh, attack it going forward. Yeah, I, th I definitely think Sawyer's kind of more suited for a guard position than tackle. Um, and cutting Filer, re-signing Trey would definitely free up some cap space because Filer would save you about, I think, like eight to nine million, and Trey would only cost about maybe two to three, three to four million. So it's, you know, I definitely think at full health, the offensive line can be pretty good, assuming Zion takes a step forward and Slater comes back. I wouldn't say at an all pro level, but at least at like 80% of what he was, that's still better than like 75% of the offensive tackles in the league. So I don't necessarily mind this offensive line. Obviously, you do want to get the best five on the field and whether that's with Filer or Sawyer and Trey, like I think that's the big question I would have going into the off season, but I don't really know how to, you know, which or I don't know how to pick between Sawyer, Filer and Trey. I think that's like a very tough question. Yeah. I think the comes that are going to be on like the positive variance of that side, which is, you know, you go with this offensive line and they all stay healthy. But you are going to have Slater coming back from a torn bicep. You're going to have, you know, Trey coming. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be shut down for the season or how they're going to manage the knee, but, you know, kind of coming in and out of games this year with the MCL. Um, and then, yeah, you, you talk about what Corey's injury concussions. So if you kind of get the better positive injury outcomes there, then, yeah, I think this could be a top 10 offensive line in the league. If you don't, then, and, you know, this ceiling as a team group just because of like having to shuffle in pieces and obviously a big part of that is just getting better depth pieces as well yeah getting that better depth pieces is crucial i've seen some people kind of ask about Corey Lindsay's contract so 
you know, he is under contract for uh, the Chargers, obviously, through 2025. Um, they can save $14.5 million in that last season moving on from him. So uh, essentially after 2024. Um, so a lot of people have kind of asked me, like, what are your thoughts on, like, drafting a center of the future? I still think you're you're a year away from really doing that because I don't think I don't really see the point in drafting a center of the future when you still have at least two more years of Corey Lindsley's contract. Um, and at least it's you know relatively affordable. Plus, he's somebody that I think they should uh, look into restructuring next year uh, in the offseason. So um, just wanted to point that out. But I, I, it is going to be curious. I think obviously Matt Filer is going to be cut. A lot of people have kind of pegged jamari salyer as as like the right tackle of the future i still think that he's better suited inside and i think we've kind of seen his you know weaknesses and pass protection be a little bit more um out there i guess if you want to say it that way uh you know especially you know just his limitations from an athleticism standpoint so i do think that jamari is better suited on the inside and i hope that's what they do with him going forward so obviously the really big question there will be what they do at right tackle is that somebody that they draft? Is it Trey? Is it, you know, a mid-level uh, veteran that they're able to kind of essentially take Matt Filer's money and just put it at right tackle? It kind of remains to be seen, but I do think, you know, there is something to speak for continuity and and bringing back Trey, you know, as somebody that you've finally seen develop into a, a good player after all these years uh, of, of kind of waiting for him to uh, have that moment. Uh, Marco wants to know. Yeah, who I think what they decide to do with Corey Lindsley will be. Uh... Go ahead, Alex. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to say what they do with Corey Lindsley will be interesting uh, in terms of drafting like a center in the future or just letting, you know, for, you know, the rest of that contract. I don't know if they'll wait till 2024 to draft a guy. Um, but, you know, if you look at what the Eagles have done, they've drafted Cam Jurgens and they play because he wants to play. Um, so, I mean, if you kind of look at that model too, you might just draft based on you sort of what you need in depth and just also kind of roll with it also, um, depending on, you know, what happens with Corey Lesson trial at some point. So I just think that, you know, might be interesting in terms of how they deal with that. Yeah. And to your point, obviously they drafted Landon Dickerson as well. Somebody who played center and guard in college. So. You know, the Chargers could certainly do that. They they need to upgrade their guard depth. I do not feel comfortable at this point with where Brendan Hymas is, is at in his development. Frankly, nobody should. It's it's unfortunate because he was somebody that I really liked. But from what we've seen from him this year, it's just not been not been good enough. And, you know, he had some good moments as a rookie in the preseason. But even this preseason, he really kind of struggled in certain moments. So, um, you know, if it's me, I'm kind of like I would bring back Trey. And then I would sign kind of a, a backup swing tackle and I would sign a backup swing guard and, or, a, you know, a, new, a different center backup center if you wanted to do it that way. And then you can, you know, draft another guard in the fifth or sixth round like you did this year uh, and have that guy be the swing guard. So I do think that the Chargers should definitely keep investing in the offensive line. And I do expect them to do that. Right. Like Brandon Staley has mm-hmm. been pretty clear about the way he's when he wants to spend resources on the offensive line. The Chargers should go get my guy, Olu. Olu Watimi from Michigan, best center yeah. in the country. Yeah, won the uh, Remington Award yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, first year in a new system also. I, I think it would be great for the Chargers as, as a backup guard. Third-round pick, maybe. He might go a little bit higher, but he's he's pretty he's pretty great. Yeah, and, and I, I think there is something to be said, too, about not just, like, handing the position to Jamari. Like, I think you obviously want to keep building competition. I think Jamari would happen to win that competition, but – 
Um, you know, I think investing a third round pick, fourth round pick, and a guard, and letting those two duke it out, I think obviously that would be uh, good for good for the room. Um, I will get back to this question in terms of speaking of college awards. Uh, Marco wants to know who our pick for the Heisman is tonight. So obviously, you know, you have Caleb Williams. I think he's been the favorite for like the last few weeks. Um, Duggan from TCU, Stetson Bennett from Georgia, which I think is kind of a really freaking stupid, but. Um, who's the fourth one? I'm totally blanking right now. You say Duggan? I said Duggan, Caleb Williams, and then Stetson. Who's the fourth quarterback? Stroud. Stroud. Okay. I, I think it's going to be Caleb Williams. I think he's been the favorite. And even though he lost to my Utah Utes, I think he still played well enough. He was injured. I don't think he did enough to like lose the Heisman. And frankly, I don't think anybody else did enough in championship weekend to like take it from him either. So I, I think it ends up being Caleb Williams. He was the AP player of the year. Generally speaking, we see that person also win the Heisman. So I, I think it will be Caleb Williams. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of getting tired of the Mahomes comparisons for him. Like, <laughs> I just like, I don't understand how people can comp top three players at a position to draft prospects. Like, it just like, I guess you could say, like, if when Mahomes was coming out of college, like Caleb Williams is similar to him, but. Um, that's not the argument I hear very often, but yeah, I think he, I think he definitely should. I think he definitely deserves it. Stroud kind of had, feels like he had it locked up and then Michigan kind of ended that reign for him. So, um, if you have any USC fans in here, you can thank me, thank Jim Harbaugh, thank <laughs> Jesse Minter for giving Caleb Heisman that, that win. Yeah. Um, this is like a really mid Heisman group in general. And maybe yeah. it would be a bit different if uh, Hendon Hooker obviously stayed healthy as well. Um, but unfortunately, this group just isn't that great. Um, I would go Caleb Williams. I think Duggan's been great, too. I would give it to I do. Uh, But overall, I mean, when you just think of like the last couple of years of Devonta Smith and Joe Burrow and all those like wins, this is this is a really weak group. Yeah, it, it just it's really weird how the Heisman kind of progressed this year because it almost felt like it was just like an elimination thing where it's like all right it's Hendon Hooker and then he got injured so it's not him and then uh there was obviously a, a surge for like Blake Corum and then he got hurt and then it was it's not him and uh you know CJ Stroud was considered the favorite for like the first eight weeks and then you know he loses to Michigan and it's not him and so uh just feels like it's almost Caleb by default again Caleb has had a fantastic season for USC um, I really respect what he's able to do. Uh, really respect what he obviously did against Utah this year. Um, but it just feels like there's not really another contender. Like, you know, even when Devontae won it, there was like, you know, some consideration for other players, right? Last year, there was some consideration for Aiden Hutchinson or Will Anderson at some point. So I just don't really feel like there's a true, like, second option. Like, it, it just feels like it's Caleb's by default. Did you guys uh, talk about Jim Harbaugh while I was gone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of Jim Harbaugh, like I, I was against them hiring him or even interviewing him in 2021. I'm less against it now because I think we've really seen him do the thing. Like I, I didn't really see like recent quarterback success from what he had done at Michigan and, and frankly, the tail end of his San Francisco tenure. Uh, with Colin Kaepernick. So obviously we've seen him, you know, do some really good things with McNamara, really do some good things this year. 
um, with um, I'm bad with the names today. What's the what's the quarterback's name right now? Or is McNamara the guy right now? McCarthy. That's right. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm more open to Jim Harbaugh this time. I still think I would lean towards other hirings, but I'm I'm not like as against Jim Harbaugh as I was previously. But again, I still think Brandon Staley is going to be the head coach next year. All right, looking for some other questions here. Uh, Miguel asking if any of us are going to the games. Uh, no, none of us are going to the game tomorrow. I am going to the Rams game at the end of the season, uh, day before the Rose Bowl. So I'll be there. Oh, awesome. Uh, week 17. I guess we'll, we'll meet up again then because I, I know me and Tyler are going together. So there you go. That'll be, Works that'll out. be fun. Get to meet. I haven't been to Thunder Alley yet, like that whole spiel. So it might be kind of depressed if Chargers are out of the playoffs <laughs> and with Rams being out of the playoffs, but you know. We'll still be, we'll still be, uh, still be a fun time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's uh, good to know. We'll uh, try and get some seats in the same time game. Yes, Alex. I hope it's not a prime time game too. It'd be a <laughs> nice if it were an afternoon game. Um, some good questions here. I'm trying to figure out which ones we want to go after. Uh, Reality wants to know if we uh, think France or England's going to win. I don't know a ton about soccer, obviously. I think Mbappe is the best player in the world. Um, that's really where that goes. And so I, I think France probably wins. Uh, France, I hate England. <laughs> I'm, I'm with Alex on everything you just said, word for word. <laughs> I, uh, I lived in France when I was a kid, so I, I, uh, I have to choose them. All right. I think this is, uh, again, we have uh, some other questions that I wanted to get to. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up with this one from Teresa. Uh, he says, favorite holiday movie and what do you eat while watching it? Uh, he says, tamales and champurado while watching The Grinch with his kids or Jack Frost with the wife. So, uh, Alex, I know you're obviously not a huge Christmas proponent here, but do you have a favorite holiday movie? No, um, I, I don't know. It kind of depends. Like, this is the thing. Because Stephen every year says Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and I will die on that hill. So Die Hard is by proxy the fav- the best Christmas movie, holiday movie of all time. Uh, I don't have a specific food choice uh, during it, but Stephen Elf is a better movie than Die Hard. I need you to get your brain checked. <laughs> I'm picky about my Christmas movies, man. It's, you know, it is what it is. I I think that there has to be like a true sentiment of like feeling the Christmas spirit while you're watching the movie. And I don't feel any kind of like Christmas spirit while I'm watching Die Hard. I think it's a fantastic action movie that happens to take place during Christmas. I do not put it as a holiday movie that I like want to get into the holiday spirit with. So that's my thing with Die Hard. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really celebrate like Christmas like that big, like you know, like other people do. Um, but I recently watched Planes, Trains, and Automobile, Automobiles on Thanksgiving, and I thought that was a great movie. So I think that might be one of my go-to's during great the movie. holiday season, maybe even if it isn't a Christmas movie. And I don't really like watch anything or eat eat anything special, but Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. R.I.P. John Candy. That was a that was a very good movie. There you go. 
last night, Brooke and I watched Jingle All the Way. That's one of our favorites to watch. Um, she always makes ginger snaps while we watch. Obviously, got to get the cookie reference in there from Jingle All the Way. I uh, think it's one of the more underrated Christmas movies. Um, in terms of like traditions, my family always watches uh, the Polar Express right before on Christmas Eve. So that's a, that's another good one as well. I don't think it's like a great movie, but that's kind of a haggling tradition there. Damn reality. Right after I talk about Jingle All the Way, he says most ridiculous Christmas movie has to be Jingle All the Way. <laughs> I think it's hilarious, man. And it has a really cool message with uh, Arnold and his family and value and things like that. So uh, I love Jingle All the Way, man. All right. I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, appreciate Arjun for uh, stopping by covering for Tyler this week. Um, like I said, I'm rooting for Michigan in the playoff. I don't, you know, we'll see what happens there, obviously a few weeks away. Um, so, uh, Arjun, any final thoughts before we head out? Yeah, let's, I'm, I'm praying that Twitter's backend engine is strong enough to hold up over what will be the bloodbath of, of, you know, the biggest three hour bloodbath in Twitter history during that game. So <laughs> like, we got, we all gotta be strong. Again, like I remember last year when the Chargers went into Cincinnati as like three and a half point underdogs. I was like, okay, let's let's just make sure that regardless of the outcome, we know who the better quarterback is. That's the, <laughs> it's the exact same thing going into this game. So, you know, the the real ones know Herbert's better than Tua. The only people who think otherwise are the websites, the TV, the TV shows that need clicks, need engagement, and Dolphins fans. Right? That's, that's all. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I think that is a good way to head into this matchup as obviously there's been a lot of uh, negativity. We'll see what happens in terms of the result. But uh, focusing in on that quarterback battle, I think will uh, you know ease some pain if the Chargers do lose. Um, Alex, any final thoughts before we head out? Uh, I will say a few things. Uh, I hate Polar Express because people think I look like the kid from the Polar Express meme that goes around <laughs> on Twitter every year. Uh, I think that's accurate, but it'll be because of it. Um, England, uh, I know we have a lot of British viewers. I still hate England because of everything 1776. So appreciate you for, <laughs> for watching the show, but France needs to get you out of the tour. And then, yeah, this game does numbers uh, for engagement on Twitter. And I hope that the Chargers and Justin Herbert uh, come out with the victory over Tua because everybody knows that Justin Herbert is better than Tua. Except yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, hopefully this is again, you know, a situation where uh Justin Herbert can kind of silence a lot of his critics. It's been a been a really frustrating week on social media regarding him and, and the way people are kind of talking about him. Uh so hopefully he's able to uh you know shut that door in their faces. So I uh I'm excited to see certain parts of this. Like I said, I feel like the offense should get back in a bit of a groove with people getting healthy, but uh defense just in such a tough spot this week. So uh, appreciate everybody watching today. Appreciate all the questions. Um, you know, obviously this has been uh, a fun Saturday show, a little bit of a little bit hectic as I've had some things going on during the show. So appreciate everybody's kind of uh, sticking around. So we'll be going live right after the game tomorrow, about 15 minutes after the game ends uh, to have our post game coverage. Uh, after you watch us, you can feel free and go watch uh, Arjun on Pro Football Focus's show as well. Um, and, uh, you know, shout out to him and Tez are doing some great work over there, too. So uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll see you guys tomorrow.